This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the To Hull and Back podcast, sponsored by Old Zoological Bar in Hull and Kingfisher Fish and Chips. Uh, a nice, happy podcast episode because we have got two back-to-back 1-0 wins. Um, intro done nice and smoothly, so I'll hand you back over to Nathaniel. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm your host who can't be bothered to do the intros anymore. Um, <laughs> no, you can't, really you, just, you, just, you just have te- te- technological issues. I, I do, I do. But um, yeah, that was lovely. So thanks, Ant. Also joined mm. by Tom. How are you, Tom? Yeah, brilliant after yesterday. Brilliant. How yeah, about you? It's, it's, well, I'm delighted because it's been a really positive week for the club. You know, they've had two weeks off since the last match. Three points, you know, two wins in a row now. Um, you know, sort of games we've had to battle out for the three points. But I think the most exciting thing, um, even if we hadn't won um, against Millwall yesterday, the signings we got in the last few days of the uh, January transfer window, you know, did we win the window? I'm sure we'll talk about that. Is it even possible to win a window? Um, We are certainly in a stronger position, uh, at least with the players we have, than we did at the start of the window. So, yeah, pretty positive. Um, Do we want to start with the Millwall game or start with the transfers? We could start with the transfers, right? Yeah, Yeah, happened first, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So... I think we talked about Giles last week, but um, a loan deal with an option for permanent uh, young player. We need desperately needed a left back, pretty much the best left back we could get. So, um, and now that was confirmed, what are your thoughts on that deal from uh, Luton Town? Yeah, no, really good. I mean, like we've been crying out for a natural left back for God knows how long. Um, he is the player that we thought Vinagra would be, um, but. If you were offered one or the other, I think we'd have all taken Giles at the time anyway. Um, 21 assists, I think they said these had over the last two years. So we've got creativity there, an outlet with actual final ball product. Um, something again that this season we, we, we've we been desperately lacking is that little bit of quality in the final third. So you think that, you know, once he gets a few training sessions and a couple of games under his belt and he gets that connection going with the players around him that we'll start seeing a really good version of Giles. But you could just tell, like, in that game how much more naturally balanced we were with him down there and we were playing out from the back a lot more comfortably as well and when you've got him and Zorori or him and Philogene whatever link up player they do down that side it's it's just danger for any any opposition defence and it's uh, it's quite exciting as a City fan to, to have as a prospect hmm. and I think uh, it's exciting that even though that is a loan you'd like to think that if things go well and he stays fit that'll be one we can have for next year as well um, Tom, it's a bit peculiar how we've gone from at the start of the season with Vinagre and we thought Furlong as second choice to uh, Giles and Jacob. But, I mean, I'm much more confident in the left-back choices we have now. Jacob's a good backup. So what do you think about that sort of looking ahead? I think that 
obviously need first and foremost you obviously needed to address that position like it's caused us the most problems all season like you know obviously had to play greaves there at times coil um vinagre you know obviously looked great when we had the chance but obviously injuries have like played a part in him being obviously um released from there but um obviously giles like i said brilliant signing like the best we could probably get in that position like in terms of his output and you know 11 assists last season speaks volumes about what he's capable of producing and uh, we saw glimpses glimpses of that uh, yesterday against Millwall like the way he traveled sort of down down the wing he was looking to get crossed into the box and obviously he's not a slouch as well um and obviously like Ant said like the, the connection that um he can build up there like down the wing is, is obviously going to be integral in the second half of the season and um, yeah, it's great to have that balance there, but yeah, obviously with Giles, it's just like the only question you'll have is like we don't really have, we're not really like a team that likes putting cross into the box, but you've seen like a lot of his assists have come from where you're whipping a ball in. So we've got a, obviously a different dy- dynamic with like a, a higher coming off the bench and just Billy Sharp. So hopefully, like we can start sort of mixing up our game a little bit and getting crosses in because I think that was sort of a criticism I had yesterday's performance. We got into promising positions, but then we didn't really deliver the final ball or choose to deliver. Instead, was passing it back and and then the opportunity sort of closed up. So one thing I'd like to see from us more is like just like getting play more plays into the box and, and putting more crosses in because, you know, that's how we can score more goals. Mm-hmm. And just reading out some stuff that uh, Luton fan Ollie Kay, who you can find on Twitter, has told me that they were surprised that because he is Luton's um, biggest purchase ever. What's that called? Record signing. Five million, um, yeah. yeah, surprised that they're moving on him on so quickly. But I mean, I think he was saying it's not Premier League quality, and fair enough, we're not in the Premier League just yet, so it won't matter for us. But he probably does need this little bit of extra time. And Rossini has had a great track record of improving young players, so um, you know, yeah, I think that is, as I mentioned, pretty much the best signing we could have made in that position. Uh, and then who was next? I think it was just a higher a few hours after that. I keep wanting to call him and at the match, uh, chilling him on. Newer, as in Newer Dicko, but no, because he was a number nine striker as well. Noah, uh, you know, I might just call him Newer anyway if it's easier. But uh, Noah Ohio, some nice touches yesterday, holding the ball up. Um, I think probably the one that has maybe the most to prove he's never played in england before at least at a senior level but um some nice touches clearly quite a quick player like delap so um is he the sort of striker that you think we need Ant? i don't well i don't know we've not seen enough of him um i think he's been brought in literally because of the striker situation we've got delap's going to be out for an unknown length of time at the minute until he's had his injections and we know fully what's going on there um, Connolly's made a glass and plays two or three games and he's out again for another two or three weeks and then you know your only other backup start is a 37 year old Billy Sharp who I think doesn't look like he's got that physicality and that um, athleticism anymore to be a starting player so we needed somebody to play up there um, and a rotational aspect as well if you're going to play a two fan up there so it made sense to bring in a young hungry player obviously what I liked the idea of coming here and playing because you know from all the interviews and everything he said you know, he's really excited for the challenge. He wants to be here. He wants to sort of prove himself. So, you know, any player that wants to come here, similar to Irma, which I'm sure we'll touch on, any player that wants to come here and play, fair play, bring him in. Because you don't want players that are just here for a payday or anything like that. If they believe in the project and, and they want to contribute, then so be it. So let's hope that, obviously, it's the ground running. Um, I, I feel like uh, he, he looked like he had a lot of pace. He had a bit of threat about him. Um, watching him with his warm-ups, he's got a bit of a monster of a left foot as well. So I feel like if we get him in those shooting positions, he... He, he might get a few goals. Oh, so, he reminds yeah. me of he reminds me of Romelu Lukaku when he first came on the scene. Like, I yeah, know, yeah, he's, 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 he's bigger he's than I thought build. he'd be. Yeah, his build and the sort of he sort of stands. He's like stocky, and I think if he's anything like Lukaku, then we've got a good player on our hands. But I agree with what you're saying there. Like, we need like a strike up there that's good at pressing, and Billy Sharp is isn't that sort of player. Obviously, he's going to work his socks off for the team, but physically, you saw how well two fan press yesterday, like in the first half. Um, obviously, we executed it to perfection. The game plan, like pressing high, we didn't let him play out, and and obviously we forced him into errors, and and that, that was sort of a perfect example of the Rossini football we've been playing. Like, and obviously, two fan was a huge part of that. But it's good now we've got like a striker option off the bench in Ohio who, who hopefully can make a good impression. And obviously, if it doesn't work out, it's all right. It's only a loan, so 
Um, yeah, it'll be, I'm, I'm interested to see like if he can be a success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think Lukaku, <clears throat> that sort of thing, you could see him sort of trying to roll defenders with strength. I mean, I could see that it was quick and big from the um, you know videos I was watching from Standard Liège of him, but in person he was like massive and, you know, it's good he's got those attributes that he's quick and strong. You can't really get twice your size um, and you can't really ever get quicker. You can only really get slower as you get older. So I'm, I think what Rossini will be sort of training up is, you know, in training with the skill and his first touch, that maybe won't be as good if he's come from Belgium and hopefully learn a thing or two off Billy Sharp. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, after just seeing how sort of physically imposing he is yesterday, I think he'll certainly be... He, I don't worry about him not being able to um, adapt to the physicality of the league because, you know, he's like five me's. He's, he's huge, so I think he'll cope with that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, because I'm, I'm not massive. Um, uh, Wally Daft has asked a question. We'll answer that now. Any news on the pitch in terms of getting it repaired? Because it looked awful. It looked bad against Norwich. It looked worse uh, yesterday against Millwall. I think Rosinia said we're getting a, a new one. Uh, oh, yeah, and you said that. Yeah, they said it in the 1904 live event thing. Tan said that they're, they're, they're well aware because I think the, the style of play that we want to play, that pitch isn't isn't going to do us any favours in that sense. You need a, you need a nice, pristine mm-hmm. bit of turf if you want to play, pass the ball, or, ball around like we do. So I believe they've, they've told Rosinia that we're, we're spending one and a half million on a full um, pitch replacement in the summer. So... It's not going to benefit us this season, but you can't, unfortunately, relay a pitch halfway through a season because we've got a player there. So, yeah, Mm. we'll we'll have a better pitch next season, at least. Yeah, we'll just have it like that um, photo at Stamford Bridge where it was just a beach. Play Mm. play, play on that. Yeah, well, the rugby's back on it as well now, so it's going to go through a a tough few weeks to the end of the season, isn't it? Yeah, I I do think that... Obviously, there's, there's this topic before, does the rugby like do more damage? But I do think the probably the football, I don't know. People think football and other people say rugby, but either way, like you're having two matches a week on a pitch, it's not going to do any favours. So it'd be good to um, yeah, get a new pitch in the summer. Well, it certainly looks worse after rugby. I mean, I'm sure there's more science to it than that, but I yeah. generally say it needs to have grass on it, right? That, that I think that makes sense to me. Uh, and then the next signing was Abdush Amur, um, and full name Abdul, Abdul, Abdul Kadir. I mean, I don't know how people are going to pronounce it's it. Abdush Ermer, apparently, is how you pronounce Abdush it. Abdush Ermer. Yeah. Ermer works very much for the Hull accent. Um, I mean, initially, when this was linked, I thought that was complete nonsense because we have been linked to him just Turkish paper talk, nothing in it, you know, Pretty much every transfer window. Same with Mia Zayic at Fenerbahce. I mean, that might happen one day. Same with Fraser Campbell before he signed for us again. Um, so I thought, well, that's not happening. And then kept going, kept going. Now it's announced two million uh, pound deal, probably with add-ons and something like a fifty percent add-on clause, which indicates to me that they were, yeah, um, that they were desperate to get him in now, and you know, just even though they might lose a bit of money on the deal in the future, hopefully they're thinking, well, the main thing is to get to the Premier League no matter what. And we'll talk about financial fair play in a, in a moment. But if he does help us do that and we lose a bit of money on him, sending him in the few years' time, at least we've, you know, he's helped us get promoted potentially. So, uh, Amur, yeah, he didn't play yesterday. His presence um, sort of encouraged a lot of Turkish flags to be at the match, which Millwall fans didn't appreciate um, because they're Millwall. Um, sweeping generalisation, but, um, you know, it, there is the national anthem, weren't they? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I, was, well, I was thinking, what, the, what, are they, what are they doing, man? Was it that it was initially reserved to away fans? They didn't fill it out. There weren't as many Millwall fans as perhaps there would be other clubs. Um, so Ajin let some... Turkish school trip people uh, populate that stand partly. Is that the explanation? I think it is. Yeah. That's what I heard. I don't know if that's true, but um, I mean, a lot of fans will have just brought their Turkish. I think it was just. A, 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 I've there. seen it. I've seen a couple of the Turkish lads from that corner commenting. And they were literally English-born Turks, so they lived in Hull. 
And because obviously of Ajahn and then we'd signed Irma and we've got two fan as well, they they saw a chance to get some tickets to the game. Probably got some friends and family to buy tickets too and just ended up with a corner of the ground together and brought the flags. I can't see that wrong with it. But that's that's unfortunately the view of some rather old-fashioned clubs, unfortunately, that, that probably didn't seem too keen on it. You know, what, less than probably 1% of the 21,000 people there that were Turkish and they, they chose to focus on that. It says a lot, doesn't it, let's be honest. Certainly does, certainly does. Very disappointing. Um, but what isn't disappointing is the signing of Umar. I think mm. I think Rossini has probably learned a little bit about especially what happened to Cynic, probably what happened to Pelkas as well, Tete, a lot of players that we signed from Turkey, especially or from other clubs, um, other countries, uh, that they've struggled with the physicality of the league. I think Rossini is aware of that. So Usually you'd spend a million pounds on a player and they'd come straight into the lineup. Whereas this time, Abder didn't even... Abder, Irma, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to call him that a lot because I get mixed up with the names. Um, he's probably going to start in a few weeks' time, bare minimum. If you don't want to rush him in, and with Carvalho in the middle in his probably preferred position, that's you know good thing that we can uh, wait for him to play. So is that the main concern? That it could be another one of those because he's not, you know, he's, he's not an Ohio. He's certainly a little ditty player. I think um, you've, if you look at how many appearances made, he's made over two hundred appearances by the age of twenty-four. Mm. To me, that shows like he's, he's had a good injury record over there, and he's physically obviously well and and capable to up to the standard. Whether that will translate across the championship remains to be seen, but he certainly looks like to me he's got the technical qualities to come into the side and make an impact and. And, and he also like fills in multiple positions because he can play off the the right, the left, or cent- central. And with the fact we've got the likes of Zawari and Carvalho on loan, um, it means that he has a lot of a lot of time to embed himself between now and the end of the season. And then obviously when the, then players go back, he'll he'll have a chance to sort of stamp his authority in the first team because we know the likelihood of us getting Cavalier on that back is is unlikely. But um, you know it's a long term signing and. Um, I'd like to see him sort of play off that right, sort of cutting in and um, perhaps in the number 10 as well. Uh, but it obviously gives us that other option as well. And it'd be good to see him. So, you know, it's, it's obviously a busy period, like it was between now and the end of the season. So he'll, he'll get a chance to shine and hopefully he can, um, you know, do himself justice and yeah, become a good player for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I think the other thing is that I've completely forgotten, but uh, I'm a... Uh... Uh, no, it's completely gone. And say something. What <laughs> <I think? laughs> uh, yeah, so the Emma the transfer for me is an interesting one because I feel like everything that we've seen from fans of his previous clubs have said that, you know, he's, he's, he's very, very talented. He's very exciting. He just needs to work on his final product. So he sounds like he'll fit right in, which is good because that's what we are this season. Very technically gifted and promising, but missing a little bit in that final third. But like, you said, like Tom said, it's, it's giving him that chance to you know, behind the scenes, get to know all the lads on the training pitch without the, the added pressure of getting chucked straight into a, a starting eleven in, in a club in a country that you've not you've not played in before. So, you know, a two fan can probably take him out and take him to some of the best places in in and around all that he's been. And you know, he's got he's got a fellow the countryman there. Yeah, he could take him to the deep. Coyle will probably take him for tapas on a fruit market or something like that. He's, apparently, he's, he does that, doesn't he? Um, so yeah, no, let's. Let, Rosinia wanted him, which is the main thing. So at the minute, any transfer that Rosinia has made, barring Ebuwe, you know, and, and, and Vinagra uh, to to an extent, um, have usually worked. So so let's just back him on it and then see what he's got to offer. Yeah, exactly. That's what you said there. That is what I wanted to say. That this is the first signing we've made from the Turkish Super League that Rosinia has done. Tufan Aliar, Cynic, um, Pelkas. Um, other than the Kilo, who was on loan to Istanbul Spor, it was actually from the Netherlands we signed him, technically. Um, this is the first one that Rossini has done, so I'm, I'm not sure he will have signed him if he thought or didn't think he could fit into England, whereas the other players we've had problems with were mostly in the first few uh, windows under Ajin, where especially Cynic, like Tufan from Watford in the Premier League, you can understand that because he's already been in England. But Cynic was definitely the one where he assigned Cynic because it was a sort of PR move. It was a good player in Turkey, but, you know, he's come here and he's just sort of literally 
crumbled, unfortunately, for him. But uh, he did get an assist immediately on his debut for Haterspor. So I think he just prefers playing in mm. Turkey. I mean, Against Shotter Avalad's um, team as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, Rosinia said that um, Emma's performance against us uh, in the friendly we played against Trampsonspor during the World Cup. That was also a big reason why we signed him. Really? So, yeah, I think that's incredibly exciting. Don't know when he'll start, um, because with Carvalho and Zeruri and Villagine, they're going to have to drop some stinkers for Emma to get in. But, um, yeah, I think that's it's, it's a that, that was an interesting comment from Ethereum, to be fair, because mm. he was saying about um, clubs earning Owen Ajin money, therefore getting the player cheaper than you'd expect, because the Fortuna Sittard central page that said about Panda said the same thing that he should have gone for about four or five million, but because um, the club has something to do with Adjian, we got him for dirt cheap, like 1.5 million or something. So uh, it feels like Adjian's just calling in all his favours. <laughs> He's just going around the, these European clubs going, do you know that money you owe me? Knock it off, but just give us that player for a cut price. But doesn't that just show you how important it is that, that like the vast majority of football ownership, especially the higher up the divisions you go, the owners are not football people. They bought a football club because that's sort of the standard thing you do if you're rich. You buy a football club and you put money into it and you don't know much about the team. Of course, Ajahn didn't know anything about Holt before he came here, but he's sort of immersed himself in it now. But as The main thing was that, that Ajahn was always a football fan. Like He understood yeah. the sport and how much it means to local communities. See, this is what I was saying to... Because um, I was talking to my uncle who I went to the game with on, on the weekend about the Alams and where they went wrong is that they, they saved the club from... Um, obviously, we, we were going to go extinct um, if they didn't come in and save us, but they saved the club because ASM understood how much it meant to the local community and they had the money to do that. But they were they, and they even admitted this, they were never footballing people. So when they're in charge of a football club, they tried to run it like a business and made business mm-hmm. decisions. Instead of surrounding themselves with people who knew football um, and could advise them, you know, don't do this, don't do that. But then again, they were the kind of people that didn't like to be told no. So Ajin has done the opposite, where he come in, he understands football, he's got Tanser. people around him. Yeah, Tan's so important, that's why I think as well. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's, he's surrounded himself with people that advise him well. Um, I feel like Ajin probably is like a very excited child. He comes in and goes, yeah, let's just do this, do that, do that. And Tan's like, yeah, let's let's do it. But it's calm down a bit kind of thing. He's been that bit of a steady head for him. So it, they seem to be a very good partnership. And I think we're quite lucky to have them two in charge. Because when you look at some of the states of... Uh, some of the football clubs at the minute. I mean, look at Reading. Um, you know, it could be could have been us that. So yeah, be, uh, like when obviously that Dai Young wanted to take over as we was in the prem. So obviously the he failed the fit, fit and proper test. But if that was like a season before, um, we could have been in deep shit because obviously the Adams wanted to sell, um, and obviously the EFL fit and proper test just doesn't work at all early because look at all the clubs that have gone bust or are doing bad at the minute. So. Yeah, we, we was looking at grad. Obviously, we we're really looking now to have two brilliant earners, like uh, taking the club in such a, um, obviously in the forward forward direction. You know what I mean? Doing everything right. So yeah, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, the final signing we made, perhaps the most important, because we've been desperate for, you know, a second winger essentially since last summer, not even the summer of this season, the previous summer. Um, you know. We've struggled with wingers the whole time, struggled even not only to have two good wingers, but two natural wingers on the pitch. And now we've got Philogene, who, and of course, we're whole fans, we're going to say is the best winger in the league. Pretty much, you know, every club with a good winger is going to say theirs is, but um, he is certainly top five. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any debate about that. Yeah, top three, and then you're going to say top two. Clark, top Somerville yeah. and Philogene, easily the best three in the league. Yes. But then Morgan Whitaker scored like 800 goals, so I think he's good at Yeah, but he, he, he plays sometimes as a number nine as well, so I feel he's like... He's a forward, isn't he? Yeah. He's a vague wide forward, which doesn't count. Um, but then, yeah, Vecinia said that they want as good a winger as they could get because they need to sort of take the pressure, the focus, the attention, the defensive attention of the other team away from Philogene on the other wing. Um, Messina said that Anas Aruri, who we've got on loan from Burnley, was the best winger in the Championship last year. I think that's just a nice compliment. I, I'm not sure if that's true. Um, I'm not even sure whether he was the best winger or the second best winger at Burnley last season, considering I had Benson and uh, Nathan Teller, although I guess he was up front. 
but um, I think that's an incredible signing. Uh, almost scored a wonder goal in the first five minutes against Millwall. So, uh, Tom Anasaruri, thoughts? You're not going to make that pun that you made before the. Uh... Uh, well, we'll do it in a bit. We'll do it in a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously, brilliant, brilliant signing. Um, obviously, he's got ten goals in all competitions last season for Burnley. I think the quite like six assists as well. So you knew straight away he was going to bring that attacking threat, and that's what we saw against Millwall. Like as soon as he picks up that ball, he's that sort of player that gets you excited. The sort the way he sort of travels with the ball, he's great at sort of like drawing defenders in and then manipulating the ball inside and drinking past defenders and obviously fashioning space to put across into the box. And I think sometimes this season we've like that guy in wide areas back for like Philogene. So it's great to sort of have Zerri on board now. And you know, obviously if he scores that uh, thunder strike. Um, within the first five minutes, it would have been a great way to cap his debut. But obviously, we have to settle for Philogene's uh, left-footed volley instead, which was mm. good. So, yeah. Nice. yeah. Obviously, Zawari, I think he can be a huge success for us. Um, it gives you sort of that... That Obviously, Brissini said after the after the game that they can both play on either side, so you can swap them about in the game. Um, obviously, we know how good Philogene is from the left. Um, Zawari can play off the right as well. So, gives you that sort of versatility and having... Carvalho, Philogene and Zawari in behind the strike. It's just ridiculous when you look at that. And when, obviously when we get Seri back as well, next to Morton, um, you know, you just think you're pinching yourself sometimes like watching these sort of players at All City because two years ago we was watching like Tom Eaves and George Honeyman. So, you know, it's <laughs> great program. Oh, Honeyman was good. Pick out someone else. Uh, uh, Marcus Mom. Madison. How <laughs> dare you? Marcus <laughs> Madison, Martin Samuelson, James Scott. Yeah, that was like four years ago and I want it. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh dear, we're old. <laughs> don't, don't appreciate that at all. Um, so, uh, oh no, see, Rosinia said um, that sometimes we're a bit too nice. Um, he's mentioned that Connolly, his concussion's gone. He's gone back to the way he is, just being a nasty person. And I've heard Zaruri is exactly like that. He's not. He's not a very gu- uh, you know good guy. He's an ass. <sighs> <laughs> I'll give you the little. The laugh. viewer counts has dropped by about fifteen. <laughs> it was only on fifteen. Immediately, yeah. Um, <laughs> so interesting to see what position Zaria was going to play. You know, left or right wing. Philogene scored with both feet, and you know, very easily took that. You know, left sort of half volley away. Um, Burnley fans said that if we're bringing him in for the right wing, he's not going to have a good time. I think he scored pretty much every goal last season with his right foot or a header. So um, I think him on the left wing, Philogene on the right, probably the best way to go because I think Philogene scored most of his goals with his left foot anyway from the left wing. So I think the berth is dangerous. Yeah, the, the, the good thing about on berth is the berth fairly adaptable with both feet. Zorio mm-hmm. scored majority of his goals with his right foot, but so does Philogene. I think you can put either of them on either side and, and rotate throughout the game and it just gives fullbacks a different question to to answer every time. But the the, the, the exciting thing about someone like Zorori is, I mean, I was talking to a Burnley fan I know, he's the one who told me that he was coming in the car. So um, that feel like that was vindicated. I was like, yay. But he, he said that he's better than Benson. So if you were looking for a player to make a difference, Benson's one of those who, when he's contributing to a game, Benson doesn't really do much. He just scores worldies. <laughs> so he just cuts in off his left and scores, like, mm-hmm. you know, top bins in the far, far corner. That's about as much as he contributes to a game. Whereas the Rory all round is a far better player. Um, so it sounds like we ended up with a better winger of the two. Um, and it excites me because, like you said, the, the good thing about our team at the minute now is that before teams would have highlighted Philogene as, as the main threat, will have doubled up on him and tried to, you know, isolate him out of the game. But now you've got players like Philogene, Cavalio, Zorori. If they doubled up on Philogene, it's going to give Cavalio more space. If they double on Zorori and Philogene, then Cavalio's going to have the freedom in the middle with two fan. So it seems now we've got so many different players to try and uh, nullify to, to stop our threat that it's just going to be so exciting to see as a fan in an attacking sense and hopefully gives us that bit of extra um, quality in the final third that has probably been our biggest issue for the first six months of this season. What I like as well is the the, the budding partnership between um, Zaruri and Giles as well. Like, mm-hmm. um, obviously we know Giles likes to overlap, and I think when you've got him overlapping, that creates more space for Zaruri cutting inside, and um, that's obviously one to watch probably the rest of the season. But yeah, it's, now we've got Giles there, so it gives you that extra balance, and yeah, it's just it's great being able to watch these sort of players now. Yeah, it's perfect for the playoffs. 
And it's a big compliment for Zorori, I think, that it, it looked like he'd been playing with us for about six weeks. I, f- mm-hmm. I feel like he just slotted straight in. He, he, he clearly understood the system. Um, he knew where to find players. Um, he just looked like he'd been here for a while. Giles, you can tell, is still getting into the swing of things, but I just feel like Zorori's slotted straight in, and I think that's a that's a good sign because hopefully he'll he'll like we say he quite rattled the bar with that shot, didn't he? So hopefully he hits the ground running and yeah. and gives the teams um, you know another option like we said with Philogene and, and him on the pitch. I think it shows the transition as well that we've made as a club. Like before, I think under Shotter was we're signing players like based on like one based on like, all the factors. It was just based on a. He's a good player. Let's bring him in. But now we're signing players that we know can fit into the dressing room and, mm-hmm. and the, um, has the quality as well to play in the squad. And I think, like you've said, that most of the signs we made in Rossini have have gelled in well. Um, you know, you've seen like the likes of the lap come in, Morton being being integral to our our hopes this season. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Obviously, Carvalho now and Zorori and all these players, like um, it just shows that recruitment is being much improved since Rossini's mm-hmm. coming. I think he's, he's, he's brought that sort of nous as well. Obviously, knowing the, the, the top four divisions and that, that's so crucial. But yeah, it's, it's exciting times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a transfer strategy now, isn't there? Whereas before, which is a bit scattergun. And before that, well, we used to have no budget. So we just get whoever we could. That's not a strategy. That's just desperation. And then... When Ajin first came in, there wasn't a strategy because we had too much money. We just bought literally anyone you know we wanted, but didn't really think how was that going to fit in because we signed about five number tens and had Slater and Two Fan on the wing. It doesn't really work, does it? Um, so let's actually talk about the match. One nil against Millwall. Uh, after we scored out of the first five minutes, I thought this could be three or four. Had to battle it out just like we did against Sunderland's shows and other part of the game that we've sort of developed in the last few weeks. Um, I think we've needed that to come sort of through a, a very difficult period without for the Gene and Seri. Um, so uh, positives in the first half, maybe less so in the second half, but puts us in a good position. And um, even though we didn't create that many chances, definitely deserve the points? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would probably say so. I feel like Millwall probably could make a claim for the, they might have felt good value for a point at, the, uh, at full time, but first half, I thought we absolutely blew them out of the park. I mean, the first 25, 30 minutes, we were absolutely outstanding. That was probably some of, if not the best football we'll have seen at MKM since Marco Silva days. Um mm. Chris passing fast, like the, the the some things we've criticised before, the style of play, you know, the urgency, the speed was up. Uh, we caused Millwall all sorts of problems. They, they didn't even have a shot. The first 45 minutes of the game, they had zero shots. Of the, uh, and that just sort of showed our uh, control. I feel like we, we faded off a bit in the first half, but I felt like it was more cruise control because we were so comfortable in that, in that half that it was sort of a natural take the foot off the gas kind of thing. But then you expect us to come out of the second half, all guns blazing. And I feel like, you know, Millwall identified that they, they really need to change shape and change a couple of people. And, and, and they came out, all, sort of caused us all sorts of problems. I don't think we really recovered. I feel like the second half, we were more or less just sort of hanging on. I feel like it took probably a bit too long for the subs to come on, I thought. Um, I feel like we needed changes probably about 10 minutes before we actually started making them. And it was. I think we only ended up making two subs or something, didn't we? Um, I think only Doherty, Ohio, and Jake. The three changes, but no, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, again, similar to Sunderland, you've got to be able to grind out these wins. So you know, maybe a couple of months ago, Millwall claw back an equaliser, but but this time they didn't. So 
you know, if we can if we can put in 45 minutes of, of getting in front and then 45 minutes of holding on to it and, and seeing it out, then, you know, we're all going to be happy with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tom? Yeah, so I, I, I agree with that as well. Like, we, we came at all guns blazing, like, some of the best football we've seen. And I felt, as a, as a fan, I think it was quite, it's quite frustrating that we didn't put more past more wall. I think mm-hmm. when we was on top in our first half, we had to sort of stand off or 40 by scoring more goals. But... Obviously, it wasn't to be, and then Millwall sort of adapted to how we was playing and sort of figured out how to sort of shut us down a bit. And unfortunately, we didn't really get out of second gear in that second half. And then, to me, it felt like at times it, it sort of felt like it was going to draw the game, like the, the way they were streaming forward um, the last half an hour, and it was sort of getting these half chances. And then, obviously, we saw Zian Fleming's lob nearly beat Allsop when he was right off his line, and that. That was heart and mouth situation. And Watford I, flashbacks. Yeah, <laughs> literally. I think, I think we should, like Anna said, I think we should have made the subs a bit earlier because um, it felt like inevitable that there was going to get an equaliser. And then, obviously, once we made the subs, we settled down a bit more. But yeah, I think, it, like, I listened to a senior after the game, and he said that obviously it's the championship; it's important to sort of grind up these results, and it's, it's always going to be a difficult game. He was obviously impressed with how we started and um, the football we played. I think sometimes, a lot of the times this season, we've criticised criticised the team for not not grinding up the result. But now we've shown in our last two matches, like against Sunderland and Millwall, that we're capable of getting these one 0 wins. And it's only a matter of time with the quality we've got now that we're going to start scoring more goals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about I think the players gelling together, and and you know we've got a lot of new players now. So once they gel, I think hopefully the floodgates start opening. But yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's obviously a promising promising time, like. That we're, that we're capable of scoring but also give the grand results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. So uh, I've got here to talk about Tufan in the false nine position. Um, did pretty well there last year. Um, this time, I think, you know, Sharp, we can't really rely on him to play whole 90 minutes. Connolly Dunlap out and then Ohio, you know, to start probably a bit too quick, um, having not probably started like any games this season, possibly. Um, I mean, I thought Tufan might have been my man of the match. Um, linked the play really well, but I think the most po- most importantly, just put in a huge amount of effort pressing, you know, for like it was 80, 85 minutes. You know, the passion for the club was on show. Wonderful. Um, well done, Ant. Mm. Flip side to that was, um, even though he played extremely well, he was linking the play together, but at times... Because there's no one beyond him, uh, is that maybe the reason why we didn't have that focal point to sort of score more goals from? That maybe you want a higher on the pitch, but then you're not dropping Carvalho or Zeruri or Philogene. So yeah. where does that fit? Like, how are you going to fit them all in? Because Tufan, Tufan's probably a better player than Ohio. And, you know, you're saying is false nine his best position? Maybe. Is that the best position for him to be in the team, though? So, uh, think, um, yeah, what do you think like, about that? It depends on the state of the game. Obviously, we started brilliantly mm. with in the false nine, and the way he was thinking play, like you say, was brilliant. And I was so huge. What we've criticised Tufan for, especially last season, was the, the effort, I, I suppose. And But now we're seeing like how he's, he's, he's fully fit now. Um, he's probably in the best shape he's been in since he's been at the club. <clears throat> and we're seeing that in his performances and, and really reflected yesterday. Like, he was the first point of press. Um, I think it was important for him to press the goalkeeper because then they was forced to kick it out and then we'd win the pe- possession back and we'd be back on attack again. Um, but yeah, in terms of before, I think that is his best position just off the front. Um, but in terms of the, the, obviously you lose the threat in the box, I suppose centrally when 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 he does play there. But then that's when the strikers off the bench come into things. Um, it's obviously a good dilemma to have, you know, for a senior tactical. But. Yeah, I think with, with the, obviously the attributes Tufan has with his, you know, his ability to hold hold the ball up and bring others into play and finish chances when the opportunity arises, then that is his best position. And um, you know, Cavalier is undroppable, so I guess we'll we'll be seeing him there a lot more often. Um, but it's good now we've got like the likes of Ohio and Billy Sharp to bring off the bench as an out and out striker to, mm. to mix up. Yeah, it is a good time to have certainly. Um... Anything else to mention about Millwall? I th- one, one, one um, criticism I had was 
I think sometimes the, down the right, Philogene and Coyle, they sometimes got mixed up. I noticed a lot of times, like, Coyle would play the ball short um, and Philogene had already made the winning behind. Um, it's obviously minor, but it's like, I think we've got to sort of play them sort of passing behind a lot more because a lot of the times we're playing in front of Millwall. Um, I know there's sometimes playing great balls over the top and getting behind, but I think that's where Coyle has to sort of play that risky pass and free Philogene because I think he, he's much better when, when he's running into space rather than um, getting the ball to feet. But then we saw, we've saw seen them, obviously, all City will have them clips where he's getting out of that tight situation with two players around him. So he can do both, but I think I'd prefer him to see him running behind a lot more. Um, that's just that's just one one sort of thing I noticed in the game. But yeah, I feel I feel like Philogene was trying to run in behind a lot, and we we didn't use that option. I feel like because we prioritised the short pass, the the short accurate pass, um, rather than the risk. Um, that a lot of times, I mean, Coyle, I I felt like that was one of Coyle's worst games that he's had in a long time. He didn't play badly. He just, I feel like in an offensive sense, he was he, he wasn't anywhere near as good as he usually is. I feel like. Philogene uh, in the second half especially kept trying to run in behind his fullback and Coyle instead of trying to go over the top was trying to short pass and, and giving it straight yeah. to Millwall or straight off the That's pitch and I think sometimes he gets a bit frustrated because he, he, he clearly waits on the shoulder of defenders and wants to get in behind just like he did when, when Allsop you know, popped it in behind and, and, and he was through on goal and that Millwall player should have been red carded by the way because he's, he's straight through on goal I can't understand how that was a yellow but um it, that needs to happen more often. I feel like in, in, in this system, it's all well and good doing the short pass, the play out from the back. But when you've got players willing to make those runs in behind, use it. How many times have we scored from it this season? I would say probably quite a few, especially when like, you've got players like Connolly on the pitch who, who loves to go in behind. But yeah, I feel, it's, it's definitely not... I, I don't think he doesn't try to run in behind. I just think we just don't find him. I feel like even the time where he was... Um, just after he'd done that little bit of skill where he had the two Millwall players on his back, he could have <laughs> flipped it over the top for Zorori on the other side and then he went to go do what he did again. And I was just like, you know, sometimes players just need to get their heads up. But that's that final third thing that we've been on about on that end product, but which I assume will come because they're all young, aren't they? I think sometimes we don't use all the tools we've got in our box, certainly. Like, the, we can get the ball a lot more to our, our wingers and, and be more of a threat. Um I suppose that's a minor criticism, but yeah, we need to sort of use more of our tools. Like, it's just being more direct, isn't it? Yeah. We need to but be more direct with the look, ball. Look at, look at the, some of the goals we've scored this season for being direct. Like, you, you, you go yeah. back to Connolly against Black, Blackburn away, where Alfie Jones wears that ball over the top and we score. And um, there's obviously other examples at home as well. Like, we play the ball through to the lap and we've scored. And um, I think it is effective as going long sometimes because it, it gives the oppos- opposition something to think about. No defender likes running back to their own goal mm-hmm. but but you get centre backs like Jake Cooper these big imposing defenders they don't mind obviously defending ball to feet because they know they can sort of win it off here they've got the physical edge so you need to sort of play it in behind you know what I mean so yeah mm-hmm. interesting sounds coming from Tom there <laughs> not from me <laughs> step back yeah, yeah. So it's just you, it's you are you hungry maybe yeah so uh next two games um now see i would i would bring up the uh combined lineup but looking at the form swans are in and like i I don't need to say any analysis on rotherham they're just crap um we all lose now but you know they are i i'm not gonna do a combined lineup because it would just be for the first time this season uh 11 whole players um, and then I then we're definitely going to lose both. But um, I think it's massive opportunity to get some more points on the board. Um, it's probably like every game's difficult, but I'd rather the team wasn't you know being made to gel against Southampton and West Brom in a few games. We have um, Swansea with is it fifteenth or sixteenth, and then Huddersfield and uh, Rotherham down at the bottom yeah. after that, or Rotherham then Huddersfield. Um, that's probably good games for them to sort of get going against and probably have more possession as well. Uh, so, yeah, the Swansea match, uh, how do we see that one going and uh, would we make any changes? Presumably not. No, unchanged. I think I don't think you could change that team. I, obviously, you, you should never change, change a winning team and I think we've not really got any sort of dilemmas to make, I guess, like in terms of selection right now. I think you've got to keep the same team. Uh, you know, it'd be good to see sort of a Merkel off the bench. 
next mm. game and Ohio have a, a bit more of a influence as well. But apart from that, I think yeah, same thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you can't really. I mean, it was it was hard to predict the eleven that was um, that was going to play Millwall. To be fair, but I feel like Giles picked himself because left back we needed one and we got one and then because you know we lost the kilo and aliasa um those two kind of were like forced ones i feel like Allsop um is 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 aware that we brought, we brought in a new goalkeeper and he's like right that's it i'm gonna have to try and uh try and try and nail this spot down um but yeah no you can't really change that team i feel like the first like we said the first half we were absolutely outstanding we faded a bit towards the end of the second but I, I feel like the new signings probably haven't all been playing week in, week out, so they're not fully match fit. And you've got Philogene coming back from injury, and we're still maybe a bit leggy. So fully fit side, I think this this is a top six team definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think they'll already need this clear week to sort of train because I mean Zuri would have had one training session. Um, Uma the same. Hayo and Giles would have had was it two or three. Um, I imagine Irma will probably only make his debut if we're probably more than one goal up in the last five minutes, just to give him a bit of exposure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't imagine him sort of getting stuck in immediately. Uh, so, predictions for Swansea? I go 2 0 to Hull. 2 0 Hull? 2 0 Hull? Nice. Yeah. At home. I'm going to go, oh, I don't know, three, three clean sheets in a row. I don't think we've done that all season, have we? I'm going to say 2-1, just based on that. 2-1, yeah. 2-1. I I like 2-0. I'll keep going 2-0. I think I went 2-0 for Mill. didn't happen, but I like that. When when, uh, Mill went 3-0, obviously he's gone 3-0 all season, but when we scored that opening goal, I was thinking, (laughs) have I messed up here with my 2-1 prediction? Are we going to roll these over? But obviously it didn't happen like that, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are a few other pieces of news. Um, firstly, we haven't mentioned some of the players that did leave uh, on deadline day. One surprise one was Harry Vaughan going on loan. Vaughan going on loan wasn't a surprise, but Vaughan going on loan when Cynic Aliar and the Kilo all left as well. Um, Aliar on a permanent. That was a surprise because I thought, well, maybe he would actually get some game time now. Um, but now he's gone to Bristol Rovers to play alongside former Loney Harvey Vale. Uh, good move for him. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I said at the start of the season that I think I know he obviously towards the end of last season he came in and he looked promising, but we knew that in terms of the physicality, I don't think he could live up to the expectation. But hopefully, going on loan to a League One club second half of the season he can make an impression. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see where he's at. Because I think it, it's hard to say what sort of level he's at right now. I know he was good at the, towards the end of last season, but a spell at league in League One will show like, how good he is, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's, he's never had a run of games. Well, not yeah. for a few years. He did play pretty much a full season for Oldham, uh, but that was a few years ago now. So 2019, maybe. So, uh, yeah, I think it's important for him to go and get some football somewhere else. Uh, and then also... Aliar left on a permanent bit for shame. Um, yeah, it was. I was quite sad. To, with us, yeah. I was quite. I was quite sad to be honest. Like, it was one of them where you always felt there was a, more of a player in there. Like we saw how good he was when he first came. Like with the was part up front as a striker, and then um, at the start of last season, under shot before his injury, he was brilliant. Like obviously he was playing as a left wing back sometimes, then on the wing, um, and I thought oh, we got really good player here and then that injury sort of not the stuffing out of him a bit and he never really got back to that that form and then when Rossini came in he's not really a Rossini sort of player I don't think technically because he likes his attackers to be technical and we know Ali is not I think he does have that in his locker but he's, he's quite erratic I think with his final products and and that's ultimately what's cost him we, we didn't see enough of the, him in the final third to suggest that he was living up to expectations so I mean it's probably the best if he's moved on but like I say I'm still quite disappointed how it's turned out because I really liked him mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I liked him yeah, I think he, he was always one of those who <clears throat> so because of his injury record we never really saw full potential earlier I think when when like start of last season he was fantastic um yeah he has runs in the team where he looks really good and then he gets a long-term injury and I just feel like with the current trajectory the club's on, we can't afford to have players 
they're presumably on high wages but are never playing. Um, and he's just, you know, he's one of those players who, who we've just not kept fit often enough. So when someone offers two million quid for him, in order for you to bring in players like Zorori on loan and Cavallo on loan, you, you can't really say no, can you? So um, hopefully it clicks for him wherever he's gone. Um, but it is a shame because I do feel like if we'd have had a fully fit Ali from the beginning, we might have seen a different player. Um, but just made of glass, <laughs> similar to Connolly and, and, and Vinagra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other two pieces of news to mention, uh, firstly, we'll talk about Africa Cup of Nations. Adama Traore, after missing a penalty in their 2-1 defeat, uh, Mali's 2-1 defeat to Ivory Coast means he's going to be back for the next match. Uh, unfortunately for us, fortunately for him, Surrey, um, he's been back in the Ivory Coast team, played um, a man of the match performance against uh, whoever they played, Senegal in the round 16, an hour uh, yesterday against uh, Mali. Ma- oh, yeah, Mali. I mentioned that. It was played against yeah. Traore, didn't he? I just yeah. immediately forgot. Um, yeah, he'll he won't be returning, but they're into the semi-final. They were on the verge of being. Um, I was going to say executed. Probably were. I think it's um, for their performance think, against. Um, I've got the change. I think um I think now um we obviously wanted back as soon as possible. Now I think I'd rather him just go and win it to be honest. Like big eliminated. Great Not executed, eliminated from yeah. the tournament. But uh, yeah, if Seri's gone for so yeah, long, get executed, man. he may as well win. Mine, he may yeah. as well win. Um Triore been okay. Not great. He's, he's great, he's better than he's, yeah. It's better in the mm-hmm. deep role if we could talk about it's better in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably why we didn't sign another centre. I know we didn't really sign another centre mid like in terms of someone to play that deeper role. So I think he, that's where we're seeing his trial playing in the future, I guess. So I know we've got a yeah. He's gonna be utility he's gonna be like a versatile backup, I think. I think the reason we sent Vaughn out on loan is because realistically Yes, it's square pegs and round holes again, but Zorori and Philogene are going to be our first choice wingers. Then you've got Emma and um, Traore that are going to be the backup wingers, I would guess. Um, so realistically, Vaughan's game time yeah. is going to be minimal. And he's he's a really good young player that needs to be playing football rather than sat on the bench here. So it was a good move, really. But yeah, Traore, I think, is going to be used as a winger by the looks of things. But he's far better in the middle. We know he is. But again, the options in the middle are, are probably... Yeah. He's far choice in the middle. Like obviously you've got Slater, Mort and Seri as your three options there. And you, and after that you've got Triara and Doherty. So it's understandable. Like I think before I was saying oh we probably should sign a centre mid, but looking at the options, we don't really, we don't really need one, I guess. So mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, the other bit of news was Tan Kessler's frustration over the council refusing to uh given permission to build their proposed sort of, uh, not just football village, but kind of sports village where position, welfare currently is. I've, I've signed mm. it on Twitter. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether they'll look at that. Uh, yeah. Welfare, I, I mean, I. it's a big... This is, this is going to be... A, yeah, it's, it's a long... It's a long... Yeah. It's a long like, no, no. Like, like, I, I it's simple, like really. It's simple. The the council is 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 in a, is in a position where for some reason they're very happy with Hull Fair being where it is. Realistically, and I think for a long time people have been aware that Hull Fair needs to be somewhere more accessible from the A63 to stop traffic in the centre being so bad. If you could do a park and ride for people from Hull to the Hull Fair, and then people that are coming from Leeds and the other Yorkshire places that come to Hull Fair, that it needs to be in a in a in a better location that's not in the city centre. They for some reason don't want to lose it. I mean, it's quite dodgy that apparently the last two times they've been requested to um, post how much money they make from fair. They've denied it both times. I think that's a bit shady. But mm. they they obviously have a reason for wanting to keep it there. But for me, it doesn't make sense in the grand scheme of things with what Tan and Ajin... I mean, I can sort of see why they didn't really want to do business with Asim. <laughs> because, as we know. Uh, but Ajin and Tan genuinely want to do this for the best reasons. And I feel like you know, putting the training training ground in the shadow of the stadium, which is what they want to do, and inspire these youngsters to look up. You know, that's what you're aspiring to. Look at that ground. That's where you want to be playing. It just all makes sense to have it all there in the same place. It, re- it redevelop all that area around the, the MKM that's looking a bit tired and overgrown, and, you know, it's not really serving any purpose. 
it, it gives all that area a reason and you still keep the beauty of the West Park side of things as well and it's just going to benefit the city far more than a fair that doesn't really add anything to the city because the money goes to the people of the fair. Um, you know, they're not from all the traveling fair. Um, the they, all the money you pay, money they, from... they pay rent to be where they are, but that's yeah. it. Don't forget the so market it... as well. You, you get rid of that. So it's going to be a lot of annoying now. <laughs> I'm kidding, but obviously, there's obviously I mean, to be fair, involved, but... I only go to your fair now for the food. So, like, <laughs> unless I take the kids and they go on a couple of rides and things like that, but you know, the, the rides are like five or six pounds now. So it's, 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 it's quite an expensive night out, but. In, in, in football terms and better for the city of Hull, it makes more sense for um, them to obviously go through what Tan and Adjim want to do. Um, I, I did see, I think, one of the councillors reach out to Tan and say he's happy to sit down and talk about it again. So hopefully they, they go into you know, these discussions with a bit more of an open mind and, and actually have some dialogue about why they don't want to do it or, or, or what they, needs to happen for them to do it. Because I think the frustration is that they just keep getting told no and there's no real reason to it. It's just yeah. that, well, fair, fair goes there. We'll move it then. So we're developing every single part, like the playing squad. Obviously, we've got the fans back, but you look at the, the sort of training ground, it doesn't look like a championship level training ground, let's be honest. Like, it's just like one little hut, and there's obviously training pitches. And it certainly wouldn't be Premier League yeah, level or you know, European yeah. level, which is where they want to take the club eventually when we sign the Turkish national team. So they're not <laughs> going to want to come there, are they? So, um, I mean, the, the facilities we go to for a few weeks in the summer for you know pre-season probably better than what we have all year round um yeah, better weather certainly yeah. and that's how you bring like the better young players in like obviously you've increased budgets for scouting like around like leagues and places like that to bring in the young players and then if you if you've got like an attract like, attractive facilities to use and stuff like that you're going to bring in more youngsters and it's just domino effects like you're improving the club vastly but it's just like obviously the council's a massive stumbling block in being able to achieve that once you remove the stumbling block and get past that, then that's when you can start like improving things. But obviously, it doesn't look like it's going to happen unless something could be agreed. But we know how hard the council has to deal with, I guess. Maybe if they suggested putting in pointless bike lanes around the stadium, they might they might do it. <laughs> oh, what's he doing? What am I doing? I, I might need a pointless bike lane at some point. <laughs> it's your fault. Nah, I don't really have any plans. Do you, to no, 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 no. This, this, be, this, this is a good. This is a good question. Do you use the bike lanes that they put in? Well, no. I mean, for the moment, I cycle away from the town centre to get to work. Yeah, there you so go. I have oh. no plans of cycling into town and getting hit by a bus and dying. You know. Mm-hmm. Give it a few decades and maybe I'll give it a go. But, um, you know, I'm getting the bus to town. I don't want to die. Uh, if, you know, if a, if a bus hits a cyclist, but those brand I want new to be bike inside the bus. That, they put in that, have, that have caused chaos for, for cars, they 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 help you be really safe, surely. I used to cycle lane near where I live, but that, that's been there ages. So, uh, yeah, um, I probably wouldn't get public transport but uh yeah i mean it, it makes sense doesn't it to build the sports village so of course politicians are against it you know sorry for any politicians listening but i think pretty much everyone of all political leanings can agree that all politics and politicians you know are stupid so sorry if that's controversial <laughs> Get political that, on that, 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 that's the thoughts of that's the thoughts of Nathaniel, not the podcast as a whole. I'll just yeah, it's a Westminster and Bank. Yeah. Um, Disclaimer. <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, good week for City. Three points, clean sheet, two wins in a row. Hopefully, three wins in a row for the first time under a senior next week, and then some exciting new signings. So uh, I think playoffs now. Not a certainty, obviously, but that is certainly the aim. I think seventh would be disappointing. I just would love the window. for us to create that gap now. Like you see, how I think it's like four or five points between where we are and fourteen, so it's still mm. really tight. But we have an opportunity now to pull ourselves a, a bit away from that. Yeah, the next three games, yeah. we, we should we should really yeah. be aiming at nine points with the squad that we've got. I mean, Swansea yeah. at home, Rotherham away, Huddersfield away. And then you've got Southampton away after that. So realistically, we need to be maximising the next three games 
um, for what will be a very tough game at Southampton. It's actually that could be played done as a favour because we'd have played Southampton away. Point. Already. Ten points from the next five. That would, that would be brilliant, I think. Ten points from the yeah. next five. It was a West Brom, that's every, a big game. Because yeah. everyone in that chasing pack for the fifth and sixth just seem to be beating each other. Um, so you need to get some sort of consistency and beat the teams around us to create that well, gap. There's so many points. of them. Good results they play today. each other every week, don't they? Yeah, yeah the, the draw was good for us today. Kept us in the yeah. top six, didn't it? So. We need to win at Huddersfield. Just for our mental health. Yeah, alone I eleven years, man. Eleven years. I don't want to talk point. about it. I don't know how I've ended up being convinced to go again, but yeah, Grim. let's hope. Grim. There's that one little pub, and that's it. <laughs> that's all there is. Yeah. So uh, another excellent episode of the podcast. Well done, guys. Thanks to everyone who's commented and liked and. Retweeted and yeah, you know, I think we was we was one subscriber away from five hundred. So if there's anyone that's been watching this that hasn't subscribed, please do because it, it bothers me when we're on four nine nine. We could just make Ooh, it nice. Long number. <laughs> yeah, it look. bothers me a little bit. Where is it? Oh no, we're on five hundred and three. So yeah, cheers to everybody who's just subscribed. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. We need five ten now, or else that's going to bother me. <laughs> well, get, get us a thousand. So, uh... Come on, ten thousand. <laughs> well we'll get there eventually we'll get there eventually yeah so thanks everyone for listening we'll be back next week away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.